you know, didn't start out as a believer in animal communication. She was much more of a skeptic. But um, people like uh, our guest tonight, Donna Lozito, uh, convinced her this was real. And I have to say, I have now availed myself of Donna Lozito's talents and abilities. And um, I'm certainly a firm believer as well. So if you haven't figured it out, uh, tonight sort of wraps up my uh, you know my my interviews about uh, animal communication, and um, I'm happy to say uh, that Donna Lazito is with me. Uh, she's a professional animal communicator and certified uh, homeopath. Uh, she uh, has an eclectic background. Uh, for two decades, she's worked in corporate America so she could support her horse uh, by the name of Sweet Dreams. And then when F Sweet Dreams fell ill, uh, Donna was inspired to study holistic approaches to wellness. And it was her horse who taught Donna how to talk to the animals. Uh, and she's been practicing animal communication since 1994. She lives in Arizona and works with clients all around the world. So if uh, you got a problem, uh, Donna is somebody you definitely might want to get in touch with. Uh, one of her life goals is to help people connect with their spiritual purpose. And as the first in her field to introduce animal communication to children, uh, she wrote a book, Sweet Dreams, The Talking Horse from Brooklyn. And she works with children and adults to help them understand and respect animals. Uh, what a worthy, worthy endeavor. And I I know she definitely helped me and um, my uh, lovely Lily, uh, the cat with the magical tail. So uh, let me say um, hello again to uh, Donna Lazito and uh, thank her for being on the show tonight. Well, good evening, Karen. Thank you for a lovely intro, and it's a pleasure to be with you and discuss this 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 topic, which is so very important to me. Well, you know, I think it's really important, too, because, you know, it gets beyond the novelty, if you want to call it that, of, um, you know, it, it, as some people might perceive it, you know, the novelty of being able to communicate with animals, because it really gets to the point that these are, um, you know, these are, are not just creatures for our amusement. You know, these are sentient beings. You know, they have personalities and feelings um, so often they are here to teach us stuff just like the other humans in our life um, are here to teach us stuff and um, I don't know to me I think it uh, punctuates the important idea of our interconnection and um, you know uh, I, I don't know it, it does that sort of ring true with you too Donna Yes, it absolutely does. It, it not only does it, it uh, to bring to life our, our sense of interconnection, but it also requires us to raise ourselves to a higher vibration if we are to attempt to understand um, this type of communication and to, to respect other beings and have this, um, that they have the ability to communicate with us. I mean, years ago when I started, it was, you know, it was voodoo and they thought I was crazy. But in reality, really all it is is it's telepathy. You know, they, the animals can think, they can perceive, they can feel, they can communicate. But the only thing they don't have are words. 
And so what we do then is we tune into the frequency by which they actually do communicate, and it's just sending energetic information back and forth. I mean, it's exactly how they speak to each other. And we just, we are animals, and so we have the ability to kind of tune into that that uh, frequency many people already do and they don't really realize it yeah well you know I want to tell you um, you know you told me to get back with you and tell you how things were going with Lily um, you know mm-hmm. our our new baby girl she's um, a little over a year and a half now you really helped me with her and I want to tell you she uh, does not seem to have that uh, biting issue as much um, you know uh, I, I'd say it's probably um, at least 50% uh, less. Um, I have been talking to her like she is a, like she's a young child. I try to talk to her every day. Um, I did before, but I'm talking to her differently now. You know, I'm talking to her as if she's a human, um, you know, a, a human child rather than just kind of a human to animal talk. You know, if you know what I mean. And um, and and I feel like I am a little bit more tuned into her. And I have to tell you the other night I said to her you know mommy would really love it if you came and laid with her up in the bed and you know you can even lay on my chest if you like and hear my heartbeat do you know that was the first night she crawled up in bed with me and laid on my chest and I was just blown away you know and of course it could have been a coincidence but I've had her you know a year and a half now and she's never done that before that I can recall and um, I don't know. I'm just a believer. I, I, you know, I'll just say it that simply. Well, I, I appreciate you giving me that feedback. That's so wonderful. And I, you know, just to clarify for our listeners, uh, what 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 actually happens is when we do speak. You know, uh, you know, for, for some people, it might you might feel like you're speaking to a, a wall, and they don't understand. But when when we explain that the the words that come out of our mouth, when we concentrate on the, the words and realize that before they're words, they're actually energy. And so that's why now that you actually focus and are speaking with her and to her, it is not really like you're speaking at her any longer. So, of course, she's going to engage because she's understanding the energy that you are um, conveying with your words. So when people can, if people want to start to try to want to try to do this, they can actually be more conscious of what they're saying, and and realize that the energy behind the words are what the animal is receiving, and then you'll see a very different result as you did. Yeah, and and I want to say, you know, I mean, I you know, we were good before, but I don't know. I just feel like there's a deeper connection there now. Um, and you know, and dare I say, you know, there's the there's a better understanding developing. You know, and I'm just really. Uh, pleased with um, everything you were able to tell me about Lily and um, you know Isis and Zena who had passed on and uh, uh, you know I felt like you were so accurate and everything you said um, and um, I, you just I, you just blew me away I can't say enough good things about you <laughs> um, you're good well. at what you do no wonder El, you know wonder Elena said. Uh, you know, uh, you were one of 
you know, one of her best recommendations too. I, I, I definitely know why. Yes, I worked with Elena for quite a few years. Um, and, you know, in, in bringing up that topic of speaking with animals that have passed on, uh, when we communicate with animals, we communicate with, it's a spirit-to-spirit communication. And anything or any being or any tree that is alive has a spirit. So there's this divine intelligence that gets communicated. So when the animals pass on, that spirit, as we all know, doesn't die. And so that spirit of your animal is, is ever-present, and we can tune into that energy the same way we can when they're in their body. Yeah. And, and you know, for what it's worth, I'm just going to throw this out here. I know this is a little bit far afield, but I mentioned at the top of the show that I no longer live in Venice Beach, you know, in the middle of the concrete jungle, and now I'm really in a more rural place. I'm in a valley with mountains and trees and very little traffic and, uh, you know, very few people compared to being in Venice Beach. And um, you, what you just said about the spirit of uh, living things, um, you know, I do get a sense of that now. And maybe it's because I'm not so distracted either and I'm able to tune in. But, you know, I, I, I feel like, you know, I, I am starting to get that, uh, get out of my left brain so much and get into my right brain and really start to tune into the energy of the environment, of the living things around me, you know, not just Lily. Um, and, um, you know, it's, it's pretty remarkable and the thought that we could go all of our lives and never know this uh, is a real crime. Well, I agree with you, and I and I think it's again it's important to um, for you to realize that that it is really the, you know our culture today is so busy and so noisy, and if it's not noisy on the outside, it's you know our there's so much noise within you know the the thought process and the mind that's just the, the monkey mind that doesn't stop and. Unless you can find a way with meditation, or as you did, you move away, there's no way to really conceive that this could be possible, because our culture just tells us that it's not. Um, although I do see it changing. I've been talking to animals for a very long time, and I do see it changing from when I began. Uh, but it does require that you can quiet your mind so that you can hear the earth, so that you can Hear your, your heart so that you can tune into the energy of your surroundings, and therein lies the communication. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, I know you, you know, we kind of briefly touched on, um, you know, uh, what is telepathic, you know, uh, communication with animals and how it works, but was there more you wanted to say about that before we get into um, the rest of the things I wanted to ask you about, um, you know, f- for listeners to understand? Well, I just would like to reiterate that it is the, the, the telepathic communication is the sending and receiving of information without words. So if any of our listeners are wondering that, you know, that how they can begin to try uh, to, to communicate with their animal, I would suggest, as I did with you, Karen, is that you start to talk to your animal 
as though they were a person and realize that it's not the language, that it's the energy of your intent, it's the energy of your tone, it's the energy of, 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 of you making an honest attempt to really understand the perception of another being. And that's why they will respond, because they will feel that if you are really honest in, in, that, in that intention, because the animals are very honest, and they require us to be honest with them. So I hope that makes sense because I know I, I, I don't want to be saying just be talking to your animal and, be, and, 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 and see what comes back. And, and that would be what just a suggestion, you know, for people to take away tonight um, is that they could go ahead and try it as you do, Karen, and see what happens. Well, you know, one of the other things I wanted to tell you I've noticed with Lily because I've been paying a little bit closer attention to her behavior now um, and not sort of just, you know, having it in the periphery or um, or ignoring it, quite frankly. You know, I've more tuned into her. And I find that when um, uh, it seems like she knows what we're talking about, which is, which is kind of crazy, um, uh, but I don't really mean crazy. It's remarkable. That's a better word. She seems to really know what we're talking about. And um, like when we're in a playful mood, I notice she picks up on that. You know, she starts to do her little crab walk and her tail puffs up and it's like we feed each other the energy you know she sees how much we love to see her do that so she does it that much more and the other night we had on uh, the uh, DVD Bohemian Rhapsody with that wonderful Freddie Mercury music she was going crazy I mean she was just running around the house like a little maniac I think she was um, I think she was tapped into that, you know, Bohemian Rhapsody music of his, and was and having the best time of her life. Uh, you know, I, I agree. I think most people who actually have animals, as you do, really can understand that animals do have an intelligence, and they can understand, and they can they can perceive, and they can like music, and they can. You know, like certain types of music, and you know what they—their energy—they're so sensitive to energy. So now you've got the—I'm getting the sense that you have the energy of of everybody really gathering together in your home and really enjoying just being, and it's just lovely to hear. Lovely. Well, it it was, you know. I mean, instead of it feeling like it was me and my husband, it really felt like it was me, my husband, and Lily. You know, I mean, she felt like she was really, um, you know, not just the cat that we kind of feed and, you know, pay attention to a little bit. Uh, but, I mean, she felt like, you know, she could have been like a, a six-year-old child there in the room with us. You know, it uh, it was different. You know, I, I have to admit it was really different being with her now. Um, and... Um, I don't know. I just think she's enjoying her life more, and we're enjoying our lives with her more. And right, because she feels that she's now part of the pack, so to speak. Or you know, she's a cat. Understand? I don't have a pack, but she's 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 part of your day, as opposed to like I said before, you're you're engaging with her instead of speaking at her, which is just wonderful. right, right. 
So, but let's uh, talk a little bit more about how animals understand what we're saying. You, was there more that you wanted to say other than they pick up on the energetic? Um, I mean, do you think it's possible there, it's more than that? I mean, like the way Lily actually came and crawled up on my chest? Well, let's use that as an example, Karen, because really let's, let's kind of go over what actually happened. So you ha- you're lying on your bed, and you have this thought that you would really like her to come up on your bed and then sit on your chest. So before those words came out, that was a feeling that you had. <clears throat> and because of your you know, recent uh, engaging her in your, in your daily, she does feel part of the family. So she's really tuned into you now. Not that she wasn't before. But she's tuned into you in a more engaging way, so that when you say that in a, and not get up here and I'd like you to come on the bed, you said you said and you felt it would be really nice if you would come up and sit on the bed, and she was like, okay, because there wasn't there wasn't an, an invitation as opposed to an order, and there's just a different sense of of engaging with them when you actually believe this is possible. I will add that, you know, for, for the for the people that are skeptical about it, it's it's a little bit difficult because the skepticism really fuzzes up the the um the the connections. Just try it and see what comes back. Um because it it's it's not going to be possible if you don't believe it or give it a chance is really what I want to say. Right. Well, now, for listeners who want to start the process of talking to their animals, how how do you recommend they begin? Is it with sending them pictures, um, you know, uh, of, of the intent? Is it, um, you know, uh, please, you, you explain. Um, let it be your, um, your, your explanation. Well, what I would say to feel like you're receiving any information back, just keep talking, and that will increase, that will, uh, that will open up the line so that if you stay with it, it will then, then something is bound to happen. It's, you know, what, what I would really be sad about is if you, you tried it and then, then said, oh, well, it doesn't work, I'm not getting anything, this isn't, this isn't, this isn't real. And, and therein lies the error because I, I think it's important to continuously try and really stay with it, even if you're not getting it. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and do you think this method works with all animals, not just our cats and dogs? I do. I do. This, this as we said before, if, if, there's, if you're alive, you have a spirit. If you have a spirit, there's intelligence. If there's intelligence, you have the ability to communicate. Whether you're a dog, there's a, a, a spirit that is connected to that material uh, entity. And so, therefore, there is, there is most definitely this ability to communicate. So would you say for our beloved pets who have passed on, um, is there any difference in how we would communicate with them other than the fact that they're not in their body anymore? I mean, do we just talk to them as if they're in the room and invisible? 
I would say yes to that. Um, the, the, the problem that most people have, and it's not really a problem, it's more of a block, is that our, again, our belief system or, or you know, some people, when, when our parents are present, but because they're not in their daily in the material any longer, it, it tends, you tend to kind of feel like, well, they're not there. Or, but I will tell you that if you have an animal that has passed on, and all you all you do is have to think of them, and they are there. And that's again, I would suggest talking to them as if they are still there. And you will see, I work with with many people to really teach them how to to talk to their animal, whether they're there or they're not there, um, and see what comes back. Okay. Um, so tell us a little bit about your background. When was the first time you realized you could talk to animals? Well, I have uh, always had a passion for horses. I mean, I love all animals. Don't get me wrong. I love, 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 love animals. But I had a passion for horses from the day I was born. And when I turned 40, I decided that I was going to um, get myself a horse. Uh, and and I went out and I got a horse and I was planning on learning to jump and I wanted to, you know, I thought I was going to be Miss Jackie O and my horse was injured very shortly after I bought him. And he was injured his leg. Um, he was there telling me he wasn't going to be able to jump and I took him to, I was living on the East Coast at the time, and I took him up and down the East Coast. How come his leg's not getting better? His leg's not getting better. And, oh, my God, they're telling me to get rid of him. And I thought, I can't get rid of this horse. And, I, you know, I loved horses all my life, but I was really not a horsewoman. So I, I didn't really – I was going completely on my instincts. And um, I read an article in a magazine, in a horse magazine, that said you can actually – talk to animals because none of the vets could figure out why my horse's leg was not getting better. And they were like, just get rid of this horse. He's never going to jump again. He's not going to... And I, and I was so determined. So I read this. I picked up this magazine. And in this magazine, it said that you can talk to animals kind of the way I'm explaining it now. And here's how you do it. And your animal will uh, respond. And so I tried it, and I said, sweetie, what is, why is your leg not getting better? And what I received back changed the course of my life, because he said, all of the vets, they keep looking at my leg. It is not my leg that's the problem. It's my immune system. And if you boost my immune system, my leg will heal. And I was so flabbergasted, and I took two steps back from him, and I thought to myself, did I just, what, did I just, and then I thought about what, what came to me, which sense, there was no vet that said that to me. Of course, if you boost his immune system, his leg will get better. And so then I proceeded to find a holistic veterinarian who would not think I was completely out of my mind because this is what my horse wanted me to do. And I did find one in Pennsylvania, and I took him to a holistic rehab center. And she, she said, of course his immune system needs strengthening. So we strengthened his immune system, and guess what? His leg got better. 
And that's wow. what so, so let me ask you, when he told you that it was his immune system, how did you understand it? Did you hear it like a voice? Was it an idea that popped in your head? Um, you know, how did you know, you know, uh, I, I mean, how did the information enter your psyche? You know, it enters, it enters the psyche in different ways for different people. Some people get impressions. Some people get pictures. Some people, now for me on that day, it was more an impression of, I will say, uh, you know, like a, it's almost like an idea that came to me right after I asked him. So now you might say, oh, that was your idea. But, you know, after you practice this long enough, you are able to distinguish the noise in your head from a voice that's coming in because there's just a, there was a sense of him being stronger and if he would be stronger, then of course his leg would heal. And then that gets interpreted with your mind to work. Okay. Um, well, tell me, um, you know, tell me some other stories like this that, uh, you know, from some of your other clients that, uh, you know, you, you feel are like maybe some of the most extraordinary uh, examples of proof of this. I have one, uh, one story that, you know, comes to mind right away. And I had a, a client, this was back in um, – in New York, and she had uh, a dog, a couple, they had a dog, and they had come to one of my workshops, and in my workshop, we go through, we go through exercises so that people can really understand this, this concept, and what we do in the workshop is we have human to human sending and receiving information so they get a sense of how they receive. So this particular couple came to all of my workshops. They, they loved their animal. The animal was, was just a lovely dog. And, and um, you know, they took a three-part workshop, and they left, they left, they went home. And then the next couple of weeks, uh, the, the wife got into a car accident, and... The dog just took off. The back window blew out and took off down the parkway. She's hysterical. She calls her husband. She said the dog took off. He ran down the parkway. She had to deal with the accident. So the husband, they quickly tried to call me, and I was just not available that day. But he did remember how to communicate. So what he did was he told the dog, because you don't have to be in front of the dog or or the, or the, the animal. You can... Send this information because it's telepathic. You can send this information through the the ether, and then the animal will pick it up if you have a, a very distinct message that you're sending. So he tells his dog to go and sit by someone's home and wait there because he had a tag on his neck with his phone number. He put his father by the telephone, and he was sending this message to his dog to sit down and don't move and just stay by someone's house thinking that someone's going to come and read the tag. Well, in about a half hour, the father got a call that this dog was sitting in front of their porch 
And she said when they finally, when they, when they came and, they, and she went to uh, pick him up after she called them, she said, you know, I asked him to come inside, but he wouldn't move. And I thought that was such a testament. <laughs> it was such a testament of the work because they told him not to move. Oh, wow. Well, yeah, you, you know, Donna, I don't remember if – no, you you go. What? Finish. No, no, I, I go ahead. I was finished. Well, you know, I don't remember if I told you this um, in the course of – uh, you know, of our consultation and uh, talking to you about my cats that had passed over. But I wanted to just tell you now, and for the benefit of listeners too, you know, this was some, I mean, I believed in this stuff, but what, what I'm about to tell you and, and listeners, this really made a believer of me. Um, you know, uh, you know, Roy and I had two, uh, you know, two cats. They were sisters, Isis and Zena, and they ended up passing about six months apart. And uh, Isis went first. <clears throat> and the 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 incredible part of this story is, um, she was at the vet, and um, you know, we were. You know, the vets, you know, said that they didn't recommend we take her home. You know, the, her cancer had progressed too far. And they were really insistent that we euthanize her uh, right then and there rather than take her home because they thought her end could be, you know, too painful and difficult and all of that. So, you know, we thought about it for about an hour and tried to make up our mind if this was the right thing to do because when we brought her to the vet, we never dreamed we weren't taking her home that night. And um, so, you know, we're we're at the stage where we are, um, you know, uh, sitting with her, holding her in a in a comfortable blanket while they, you know, inject her with. Uh, you know, the needle into, you know, that little thing that they attach to their blood vessel. And, um, and you know, when we were trying to calm her and tell her how much we loved her and, you know, we wished we didn't have to do this, but we knew she wasn't well and we loved her and we wished she would come back to us. And um, while this, we were in the process of doing this, the telephone rang. And, of course, we didn't answer the phone because we're in the middle of this emotional moment. And um, hours later, when we felt like we were up to checking the telephone, um, my friend called, who I think you've met now, um, and she said, Karen, I don't know what this is about, but I want to tell you that I got a message from ISIS and she wants you to know that you did the right thing and she loves you and she will be back. She just has to rest for a while until she can return to you. She said, what in the world is that about? And I got mm. to tell you, uh, Donna, that blew me away. That blew me away because my friend didn't know we were at the vet with ISIS, didn't know ISIS had passed on. Um, she did have a connection with ISIS. You know, she saw or saw her at our house thing. But, you know, here ISIS sent this message to our friend to give to us. And I got to tell you, that blew me away. That just blew me away. Not only did she comfort us, you know, but she was able to send this message, uh, you know, through my friend to us, to speak to us. Um, you know, it... Um, 
I, I thought that was just remarkable. Well, it it actually happens more often. It happens actually all the time. And fortunate that you you know she was she was open to receiving the message um, because this is an and this is instantaneous and and it's you know if if our viewers can get the 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 concept that information is sent over the uh, through the ether. In, in waves of energy and its information, and we are uh, really capable of receiving. I mean, and everyone is. It's not just certain people. Everyone has this ability that's built in. You know, you are very, very um, consumed with the grief and the sadness of leaving, so that made it more difficult for you to receive the message. But I will tell you that she was determined that you get the message, and she made sure that you did. Yeah, she sure did. Um, well, listen, we're going to take a little commercial break, and uh, when we come back, um, I want to talk to you about maybe what you've learned uh, from talking with animals or, you know, if you've ever had any, um, you know, difficulty, like maybe with wild animals or something like that. Is the communication different? Um, and we'll kind of just go from there. But um, first, uh, I want to share with listeners uh, this, uh, this word from Joe Carson. The psychic state of the collective unconscious, which is that consciousness of the planet. It's called the chthonic mind, the mind of the earth. Our ancestors understood that the animal and divine were all connected, they were together. But there wasn't a separation. And that's what we are trying to return to, is that sense that our animal nature is divine. It doesn't get in the way of the divine. It gets us closer to it. What's your idea of being fully alive as a human being? Because that's what's really spiritual. Write it down. Start writing your own Bible if you want. That's the sacred. And by that, I just mean sweaty, fun, happy sex. Well, you've been listening to the trailer for Dancing with Gaia, Joe Carson's feature-length documentary film. In it, she interviews 15 visionaries and teachers about earth energy, sacred sexuality, and the return of goddesses Gaia. Joe traveled to ancient sacred sites all over Europe and the Mediterranean to shoot this film. The spiritual sites from northern Scotland to central Turkey profoundly affected the origins of Western culture. You know, if you've always wanted to see these places yourself but haven't, this is a great opportunity to experience some of the best ones right from the comfort of your armchair and get their story. The DVD comes packaged with a 45-page color mini book, which goes even deeper into the material. And you can get the DVD and booklet for only $20 at, from this website, dancingwithgaia.com. That's dancingwithgaia.com. Okay, um, so I have been chatting with uh, Donna Lazito, just an incredible uh, animal communicator. And um, if you're tuning in late, you definitely want to hear the beginning part of the show. Um, and um, we were going to chat about, um, you know, maybe animals that are more difficult to communicate with or things you've learned um, from talking with animals. Um, what about that would you like to share, Donna? 
Well, what I will say before um, I share some specific stories is that what I have learned about myself, I, I think the benefit of communicating with animals is that it, it definitely raises and has over the years raised my vibration. Um, and so that I, I can function at a, a, a different level of a more uh, a sense of peace and understanding that we are actually all connected. And so there's just a respect, a mutual respect for all of life. And that's, uh, you know, I think is really where our world is headed. And, and talking to the animals has really given me that and opened me up in a way that I'm not sure that I, you know, any other human could have done for me. So, so the animals, like you said in the beginning, are, are, are sentient beings, and they are here to teach us. And, and they just all come in different costumes um, and, and different species. But, but the intelligence is there, and, and they are more wired. They're wired to nature in a, in, in, their, in a way that we are not. You know, they don't have that piece where um, they have their minds that distract them. They're just really directly wired to nature. And in, in chatting with them over these years, I have really come to respect that and, and see that part in me. So that's, that's been very helpful um, in, in the way of, of communicating. I mean, I'm sure you might, you know, want to talk a little bit even about how, you know, you've changed in the short time that you've been communicating with Lily in this way. <clears throat> well, well, yeah, honestly, I feel like um, she has, um, uh, I think helped me open up to this other side of myself that had been closed off, for one thing. You know, one of the things I really wanted to do now that I'm not working full-time anymore is try to um, develop that right side of my brain, that intuition, that, um, um, you know, this sort of stuff that – you know, that's a little bit harder, the subtler things, you know, that um, we, uh, you know, that we need to be able, I think, to tap into, but we're just too busy every day, you know, trying to make a living, trying to fight the traffic, you know, trying to wash the clothes and fix dinner and, you know, all of this stuff. And, you know, it, um, you know, it does, I think like you said, you know, it does give me hope, you know, as more and more people learn about this sort of thing. I, I think it does uh, educate and elevate people. And maybe, just maybe, um, these kinds of shows, this kinds of information, maybe we can help ourselves save ourselves, you know, and um, other species, you know, as we realize, you know, Mother Earth, I heard somebody say today, you know, um, I, I think he said it like this. He said, um, you know, Mother Earth is the source. She isn't a resource. And I kind of look at the animals like that, too, now, you know. Um, they aren't just here for our pleasure. You know, they have their own life. Um, I mean, I know my Zena, you know, Isis's sister who passed on, um, I'm not going to go into a lot of detail, but the dream I had of her two nights after she passed, and I usually don't remember my dreams, so this was a stunner, um, you know, she really helped me with issues of compassion and healing and forgiveness. 
And, you know, if you had told me five years ago I would have learned um, all of this from, you know, the animals in my life, because, I mean, what do we do? We call them our pets, right? You know, it's like we Mm. own them. They're here for our pleasure to amuse us. Um, you know, I just really think, um, you know, we, uh, as a species, we're evolving and we aren't, um, you know, we're sharing a life with these beings now. You know, they aren't just something to amuse us uh, or keep us company, if that makes any sense. <laughs> Absolutely. We're sharing the earth with them. And, you know, our, if anything, our our job was to protect them and take care of them and, in many ways, we have failed that, and 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 you know I you know in my hopes I I believe that humanity is going to come back around to our to our truth and see that we are all interconnected and mutual respect among species is really um, is really what is required for peace on earth, you know, and that's with each yeah. other and with other species as well. Yeah. So are there uh, are there any uh, are there ever any animals you can't communicate with? You know, for the most part, I would say that there aren't. Uh, sometimes, if you come across some animals who have been abused and have gone uh, really given up on humans, they might be shut down. Um, but I have not experienced that there are any animals that you that we cannot communicate with. Uh, it's you know it, it's just a matter of assuming that when you make the attempt to communicate that they actually do understand and just because we don't um, comprehend that understanding doesn't mean that they haven't gotten the message. Um, I could tell you a couple right. of stories about um, there was a, a mouse family that was living under my house when I first moved to Arizona. And I was renting the place, and I knew that the landlord was going to call an exterminator. So before the exterminator came, I went under the house, and I did kind of a broadcast. And, and like I was telling you, in words, now you can we can use words or we cannot use words. I, I always suggest to use the words because it gives the uh, person that's who's speaking, it gives them the opportunity to really to make the connection with, with our language. And so I, I put my head in the, in the uh, little crawl space and I said, listen, I said, this landlord is going to come and he's going to kill you all. The exterminator is going to come and you will be killed. And you have a choice to either leave or when he comes, you will be killed. So the exterminator comes and he goes under the house and he said, honey, I don't know what you're talking about. There are no signs of mice under, in this house. And so really what, <laughs> what happened in that instance is that I meant business that, and because they were going to be killed and that they would have the choice to leave and they left. Because why? Because they understood I will, I will always say the energy of it, but they understood the message. My intention, I was very clear about the fact that they would all die, and they got it and took off. Wow. 
And you said you had a couple stories. Is there another you want to share? Well, I will share one. Uh, this is just a lovely story. I, when I was still working in uh, in New York, I was was working during the day to support my horse, but I was also um, talking to animals on the side. And I happened to be down on Wall Street, of all places, because I was studying for a, a corporate exam. And we were on a break, and in the lobby of this big building, there was a uh, a florist. And there was a bird cage that was with a little parakeet, and he was in the cage, and it was on the floor outside the floor. And I went, you know, you know, I, it was great for me to see a, an animal like that in the middle of Manhattan because it really wakes up the noise. And I went, I, I stooped down to the bird, and I started talking to the bird, just the bird and I. And there was a guy that was standing behind me, and he said to me, and he was the janitor in the building, and he said to me, are you a bird person? So I said, no, actually, I'm not a, really a bird person, but I, I talk to animals, so I'm, I'm talking to the bird. And the guy said to me, oh, yeah, right. You people, you're all crazy. You people say that you can talk to animals. And I said, no, actually, I can't talk to animals. He said, well, okay. He said, tell me about that bird. So I went back down to the bird, and the bird was, you know, he was cleaning underneath his wing, and I said, you know, you better make this good because this guy is testing us. And so the bird said to me, well, he said, actually, to really tell you the truth, this guy, he's really special. He saved my life. So I get up from the birdcage, and I say, and I go to the janitor, I said, he actually thinks you're quite special and said that you saved his life. Well, the guy took Ten steps back and said, oh, my God, he said, you aren't crazy. He said, do you know? He said that that birdcage was attached to the ceiling of the florist, and it fell down, and the bird got stuck under the cage. He said, and I took that bird home, and I nursed him back to life. I fed him with the bottle every two for two weeks, every, every hour. <laughs> And he, you know, and he wrote me a letter after that story, and he said, you know, you really changed my life and my wife. He said, it really just changed, and it was just such a great story. And I call that story, I have it in a book that I'm writing, it's called The Bird on Wall Street. (laughs) Wow, what a great story. Um, And that's a, you know, that's a pretty positive uh, note to start to wrap on, uh, Donna, um, is, uh, I mean, I, well, you know, I'm a believer, and I'm sure my listeners are believers after these, uh, uh, you know, these sincere, genuine stories. Um, is, is there anything else, besides your contact information, we definitely have to make sure we give that out, but is there anything else you want to say to listeners, um, you know, before I have to let you go? Well, I will say again, um, you know, and, and particularly for for um, for people who really love animals, that this is so possible. And I, I, again, I will just reiterate to just give it a try, or at least remain open to the possibility that that it that it can happen. And and to really to try to seek out if you're really interested to try to seek out uh, some help or assistance with this work. 
Okay. And and how um how would listeners get in touch with you if uh they have the you know, if they have some sort of health issue with their pet or they just want to communicate with a pet who's passed or maybe a behavioral problem or um or something, or maybe they just want to get, you know, more tips from you on how to do it themselves. Of course. Um my website is whispers of the spirit dot net. That's whispersofthespirit.net. Net is very important because uh, there are a couple of whispers of the spirit out there. So it's, again, whispersofthespirit.net. And you can reach me through the website. Um, and uh, I will be doing a, a free talk online towards the end of April. So that can be uh, – you can reach me also on Facebook. Um, and those are the two ways uh, to get a hold of me. So on Facebook, what is your Facebook page uh, name? Uh, Whispers of the Spirit, I'm both. I'm Donna Lazito. You can reach me through Donna Lazito. My my business page is Whispers of the Spirit, so either way, um, you can definitely get in touch with me. Now, your book um, uh, for children on animal communication, Sweet Dreams, The Talking Horse from Brooklyn, uh, is that still available, and how would people get oh, that? Yes, absolutely. Um, the The book is available through the site. It is also uh, available online uh, on Amazon. Um, and it is, you know, it is the story of actually how my horse taught me to communicate, and I and I watered that down to the children's version, um, and and my horse Sweet Dreams actually narrates the story. So it's just a lovely, it's a lovely book. The kids just love it. Oh, it sounds like it. Sounds like a great story. Well, Donna, I just want to say thank you. I want to say thank you for helping Lily and I so much. Uh, thank you for cementing uh, my belief in all of this and uh, all the wonderful tips you gave me that uh, really do work. <laughs> uh, because, look, I'm a Virgo. I'm a skeptic by nature myself. So, you know, I tend to not listen to the voices, you know, because I don't want to delude myself, you know, thinking it's just me and all of that sort of stuff. But uh, you know what? I, I don't do that so much anymore. And, um, you know, I, I'm just glad there are people like you out there to um, help us crazy humans uh, evolve and, you know, be better versions of ourselves. Well, thank you. It was a pleasure talking with you, and thank you for having me uh, on the show. And I'm so thrilled uh, with you and with your progress with Lily, I really do keep it up, and I'm certainly available if you if you need any help. Okay, well, thank you, thank you so much, and let's definitely keep in touch. And um, you know, when you uh, have that book, uh, you know, ready to launch, um, let's make sure we have you back on the show. Or look, even if some other uh, unbelievable circumstance comes up, uh, you know, and you want to tell listeners about, um, please just drop me an email, and um, you know, you're welcome back anytime. That would be wonderful. I so appreciate that. Okie doke. All right. Well, good night and uh, you know, have a great evening. Thank you, Karen. You too. Bye now. Bye bye. 
Well, um, I can't say good uh, enough good stuff about Donna and uh, her abilities. Um, honestly, I am not exaggerating how helpful she, uh, how she's been to me and Lily and. Uh, uh, my friend, who's a psychic, who has also availed herself uh, of Donna's um, uh, talents, uh, says the same thing. So she definitely comes very highly recommended if uh, you need that sort of help. And uh, as I promised, uh, before, we, uh, before we go, um, I want to share some um, uh, articles uh, that Pat, the roving goddess reporter, um, uh, sent to me, uh, you know, to share with listeners. Um, I just want to, before I get to those, uh, I just need an, a minute uh, to uh, read you a review about Joe Carson's other new book, uh, Celebrate Wildness. Uh, Dana Corby uh, said this about uh, Joe's book, uh, Celebrate Wildness, in her blog called The Ranton Raven. Uh, and here are Dana's words. She said about Joe's new book, Celebrate Wildness, this, quote, when people wonder aloud how the Wicca of Southern California became so much more nature-oriented and wild than the British traditions from which it arose, the one factor they never seem to take into account but should is ferraferia. Feriferia, a word Fred Adams coined from Greek roots meaning wilderness festival, is a pagan tradition unlike any other. Based on Fred's visions of the divine feminine, the sacredness of Eros, and the potential for intentional communities that truly do no harm to anything, it also draws upon themes familiar to Wiccans and pagans such as sacred landscapes, prehistoric beliefs, and the fairy faith. Fred intended that Feriferia should lead the world into a paradisal future in which freedom, eros, and play are the core values, where that built by human hands merges seamlessly into the wild and the fae romp among us. Celebrate Wildness is a unique, exquisite, and profound book. It created in me a sort of homesickness a wistfulness for the idealist I was, we all were, back when we and the world and the magic were all young and fresh. Though it's a short book at only 115 art-laden pages, don't expect to read it quickly. Take your time, let it sink into your subconscious, and what bobs to the surface will be wondrous. Celebrate Wildness is an oversized, hardbound book on heavy paper, and it's available for $45 from feriferia.org, unquote. And I'll spell feriferia for you, F-E-R-A-F-E-R-I-A.org. Um, I have both uh, Celebrate Wildness and um, Dancing with Gaia, and uh, I am so glad they are on my uh, bookshelves. When we moved, uh, we purged lots and lots and lots of stuff. I had uh, crates of books that we gave away because I probably had over 2,000 books in our library, the bags of books, the boxes of books that left. Uh, but these were not things I gave away. These were things I wanted to make sure I kept forever. Uh, that's Dancing with Gaia, uh, the documentary film by Joe Carson, and uh, Celebrate Wildness, um, the book that I just uh, shared some information about, um, according to Dana Corby, and I wholeheartedly agree. 
Um, all right. So uh, thank you, Pat, uh, the roving uh, reporter for Voices of the Sacred Feminine. Thank you for uh, sending these articles. Um, I'm going to share two tonight and save the other one for Friday uh, when I talk to uh, one of the contributors to the new anthology, Awaken the Feminine. I will have Lauren Time uh, on the show with me. Uh, but for now... Um, I want to tell you about um, three women uh, who were jailed for abortions in El Salvador have been freed. BBC story, um, and Alba Rodriguez was uh, one of the three women released uh, last week. Uh, El Salvador's Supreme Court freed three women jailed for 30 years after being accused of aborting their babies. The women say they suffered miscarriages but were convicted of aggravated homicide. They were welcomed by well-wishers and activists near the capital of El Salvador last Thursday. Alba Rodriguez and Mary Del Transito Orellana uh, had both served nine years, while Cynthia Rodriguez had spent more than 11 years in prison. The Central American country has some of the world's strictest abortion laws. Women found to have had an abortion face two and eight years imprisonment, uh, but this can rise to up to 40 years if they were found guilty of aggravated homicide. Dozens of women have been given jail sentences for the deaths of their fetuses in cases where they said they had suffered miscarriages or stillbirths. And here's a quote from Cynthia Rodriguez, one of the women who was freed. She told reporters outside the prison, I am happy, happy to recover my freedom, happy for everything that I've been waiting for for a long time. They were informed of the court's decision to commute their sentence in a letter from the country's deputy justice and security minister on the eve of International Women's Day. Um, according to a local activist group, uh, the court found that the women were serving disproportionate and immoral sentences and that their families had been negatively impacted by their imprisonment. Campaigners, campaigners say at least 30 women jailed for abortions under the country's strict abortion laws have been freed following retrials and reviews in the past 10 years, but around 20 women remain in prison. Um, uh, 20-year-old Evelyn Beatrice Hernandez Cruz was released from prison in February. Last month, uh, Beatrice Cruz was released from prison after the court ordered a retrial. She was sentenced to 30 years in prison after giving birth to a stillborn baby in a toilet. Wow. Um, according to Amnesty International, El Salvador is one of the most dangerous countries to be a woman. Um, the other thing I wanted to share with you, it's kind of a two-pronged story. It comes from the Daily Coast, uh, and uh, this is about, um, you know, in honor of Women's History Month, this is about Representative Deb Haland, who made history. Uh, she got a bipartisan standing ovation on the floor of the House of Representatives, uh, but it opens with some um, not-so-pleasant stuff about Republicans. Uh, the Democratic-led House of Representatives passed its H.R. 1 bill to close our election loopholes, tighten up loose ethic requirements, and eliminate some of the dark money corrupting our elected officials without a single Republican vote in favor of doing those things. Um, and I'll repeat, the things that the bill did was close election loopholes, uh, eliminate dark money, 
corrupting election officials and tighten up loose ethics requirements. Not a single Republican wanted to do that. Uh, however, Republican Representative Rodney Davis of Illinois, uh, 13th District, spoke on the floor before voting on the bill to argue that uh, Republicans felt this attempt at curbing corruption and supporting voting rights was an overreach on the part of the federal government, an overreach to uh, uh, fix these things in our elections. Sad and, and unbelievable. But anyway, uh, however, uh, before Davis began his dissent on the bill, he asked the House to pause to recognize a notable moment in the history of the U.S. Senate, uh, I'm sorry, the U.S. Um, uh, uh, House of Representatives, addressing Representative Deb Haland, the New Mexico Democrat who was chairing the session. Um, this Republican Representative Davis said, before I get started, could I ask for a point of personal privilege to have the members of this institution and the gallery recognize you as the first Native American woman to ever chair the House proceedings. It's a very moving moment and a reminder that things are changing. The blue wave matters and our hopes for the future depend on our continued vigilance in moving our country out of the darkness and into the light. So I guess one out of two isn't bad. Not only was uh, Deb uh, Haland chairing the session, um, she was the first Native American woman to ever chair the House proceedings. So uh, one out of two ain't bad. Republicans won't vote to fix our election laws, uh, but they did have some decency and honor Representative Dev Hayland. Um, okay, uh, the other story uh, I will say for you on Friday when I will be back uh, talking to um, Lauren Time, uh, one of the contributors to uh, Awaken the Feminine, which is the uh, third book in the Manifesting a New uh, Normal uh, trilogy in the uh, uh, in the uh, uh, anthology, and it's about how to reboot humanity using sacred feminine concepts. Uh, that's um, that's what we'll be talking about on Friday. And if you think you already know, tune in anyway because you know what. Um, it can't hurt to hear it again. You might find some new ideas there. And, uh, you know, the more we hear something, the more it becomes cemented in our psyche uh, and it becomes the norm uh, rather than um, not the norm. Okay. Uh, well, that about does it uh, for me tonight. Uh, again, dear listeners, thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, I want to remind you that I do have a new website now. Uh, if you want to find me, you have to go to karentate.net. Uh, because KarenTate.com, which has been around for decades, has been hijacked. Uh, that is not me anymore. Uh, so go to KarenTate.net. Also, if you want to contact me, my new email address is KarenTate108 at Yahoo.com. KarenTate108 at Yahoo.com. Um, so uh, thank you for letting me hear from you. Um, Thank you for your listener loyalty, and as always, if you want to help contribute to the show to help me pay for the airtime so that you continue to hear the remarkable guests uh, that come on the show, um, 
you can contact me at KarenTate108 at Yahoo.com, and I will tell you how to make uh, a donation by check or, uh, or by PayPal. Uh, any amount is greatly appreciated. That about does it for me tonight, uh, dear listeners. Um, if you're in the frozen tundra, please stay warm. Uh, enjoy uh, the rest of uh, the waning months of uh, winter. Before you know it, it will be spring, and uh, the flowers will be sprouting again, and uh, we will all feel better uh, with, with the snow and the cold and the ice behind us. Um, all right, then. Uh, I'll let you hear a little bit of music uh, to close out the show. Uh, how about uh, Abigail Spinner McBride, uh, Sacred Way? Good night, dear listeners. Thank you for tuning in. <laughs>